It is exceptional for a lazy person to be lazy. I want you to think about that for just a moment, and then I will explain myself in this podcast. But it is exceptional for a lazy person to be lazy. You see, if you observe their lives, you will see many biblical qualities. Let me give you a few. You will see this in almost every lazy person. Now, maybe these aren't the exact labels for you, but if you look for biblical qualities in them, you'll see it. Here's a few. Intentionality, premeditation, work ethic, imagination. You see, the primary problem is not their laziness. You know, that's that's a behavioral thing. That's above the ground. But as you dip into the soil of their lives and, and trickle down to their heart, you'll find something else. And though you will feel their laziness the most because we feel behaviors, we experience behaviors from other people the most, obviously. But again, the underlying heart issue is that they have a pleasure disorder. It's not that they're not intentional or they don't premeditate or they don't work or don't have an imagination. They have those things. They have other things, many other good God-given qualities. The problem is, is that they use all of those things in the wrong way. And in this podcast, I'm calling that a a pleasure disorder that motivates them to use their God-given abilities to serve themselves more than others. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. The title of the podcast is Lazy People Aren't Lazy Primarily but have a pleasure disorder. If you would like to read this podcast, I would love for you to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net, and there it is. Just type in some version of lazy people aren't lazy primarily, but have a pleasure disorder. Thank you so much, Sybil, for becoming a supporting member of our site. Thank you also, Delina, if I said that correctly, for being a supporter as well. Kristen sent in a kind note. She said, thank you for this article. And this website. You are welcome, Kristen and Bob, a longtime supporter. He was asking about how many books can he buy. And I haven't said this in a while, but he was asking the case question. How many, how many can I get in a case? And is there a discount? The the question is you can get or the answer is you can get an unlimited amount in a case. You can get a thousand. We'll just get a bigger case for you. And there is a discount. But if you order 10 or more, let us know that before you do that from Amazon. Send us an email and say, I want 10 or or 20 or 20,000. That would be fantastic. What is the discount? And we will give that to you and we'll also compute and let you know what the shipping is as well. But there is a discount for 10 or more of any of our paperback books. So there you go. There you go, Bob. And thank you for using it in your men's group as well. I'm not sure what you're going to do with these, but God bless you. Thank you again for a longtime supporter and using our books in the ministry that you have. So grateful. All right. Now, lazy people aren't lazy primarily, but they have a pleasure disorder. Let's uh, check out the life and times of Biff and Mabel. I probably haven't talked about them in a while, maybe two or three podcasts. 
But I want to take just a brief dip into Biff and Mabel's home life. Biff came home from a long day at work, and as his two little children glowingly looked up into their daddy's face, he announced to his family that it was me time. He maneuvered, uh, maneuvered around Biffy and, and Biffina while tapping them on their heads. To the fridge he went to grab his Miller Lite. Mabel's smile turned inwardly sour as she attempted to hide her sadness and her anger. She had conflicting tensions in her soul. What about me? When do I get me time? Do you realize the bitter seed you're sowing in your children, Biff? I understand you're tired. I get it. You work a job. And and it's been a long day, but sometimes we can't get what we want. So rather than voicing her thoughts out loud, she tucked them away, hoping that somehow God would intervene in her husband's life. She didn't believe that God would speak in her husband's life. Still, she is a Christian, so she defaulted to an expected Christian response, especially in light of her odd and unbiblical training. I'm not saying she's odd, but she has received odd training that is unbiblical, and that training, that odd and unbiblical training, is is about being submissive in, quote, all ways to her husband. I'm not going to get into that now, but I've written a lot on on submission, as as well as one of our uh, world-class writers, Brandy Huerta, and you can read our work on submission on our website, but there's a link here that you can click on that will get you to one of those articles, because the Bible does not teach that a wife should obey her husband in all ways. That's weird, odd, and unbiblical. Biff enjoyed his beer while updating his fantasy football league. Biff loves playing fantasy football with the boys at work. They work hard together, and they play hard together. The tension in Biff and Mabel's home is typical among many married couples. I dare say that their stress is more unspoken than spoken. Most wives tend to be aware of this tension. Many husbands may not be as mindful Or worse, they could just be mindful, but choose to ignore it. I'm not sure me time has been around since the beginning of time, though I suspect it has surfaced through the centuries with other terminology. For example, in Genesis 3, we see the first occurrence of what appears to be uh, me time, 3-6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She said, it's me time. So she took, that was uh, inserted that, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. The Bible does not make a case for me time. Not in the sense that we understand the term. We understand the term as being lazy, and the Bible definitely doesn't make a case for me time. If you, if the synonym for me time is being lazy, the Bible would put a 180-degree spin to this concept. For example, I want you to hear what Paul had to say about me time. It's in Philippians 2. He said this, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest. It doesn't mean that you never look to your own interest, but look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now, if you read the context in Philippians, you will notice that Paul contextualizes this idea of, I'm going to say, non-me time. He is appealing, appealing to the Philippians to think less about themselves and, and more like Jesus. And so it's not Biff's version of, of me time. It's Paul's version. What we should have is a non-me time. And so we want to think less about ourselves and more about Christ, the one who died for others. The Savior weighed in also on the me-time worldview when he answered the Pharisees' question about which were the greatest of the 600-plus laws in the Old Testament. And you know what that is in four words, love God, love others. It's Matthew 22. I've, we've, I've told our children many times that if you want to be successful, I'm talking about biblical success, from a biblical perspective, if you want to be successful in life, you only have to capture and own and live out four words, and two of the words are the same. Love God, love others. If you capture and own and practicalize those four words, you will have biblical success, whatever that may turn out, according to the author of your story, Lord God. Paul and Jesus were evident in how they ranked relational priorities. God first, others second, ourselves last. This perspective is a picture of the gospel as well as a gospel imperative. It's not only a painting of of who Christ is, but it is an imperative that we must act on, respond to. We must do something. The gospel-centered individual will automatically think about God and others before they think about themselves. Now, before I go any further, I, I do want to add a caveat here. I, this ministry, me specifically, I make a strong case for taking care of yourself. Because I know that there are some people who will listen to this or read this and And they are merciful people. They are serving people. And they may stack more burdens upon them and do more until they are burned out or exhausted and even worse, just give up the faith. And so as I talk about this podcast, this article here, I do want you to understand this caveat. There is a strong case in the Bible for taking care of yourself. Because the truth is, if you don't take care of yourself, you will not be able to emulate this gospel picture or respond practically to this gospel imperative. And so in this podcast, I am not interacting with that vital perspective and that critical need in your life to take care of yourself. Now, if you want to read more about that worldview, I have several articles here. At this juncture, in this article, and you can click on four of them, and they will give you a lot of, hopefully, encouragement, and and hopefully they will teach you how to rest as you are working uh, as an alien in this life. The question that lazy, self-centered thinking people will raise when you start talking about this, the lazy person, well, what about me? And the other Centered worldview does not have me in it. 
love God, love others doesn't have me in it. Other-centered doesn't have me in it. Or you could say that there is an implication of the me and other-centered thinking. The me is the one who is serving God and serving others. According to the gospel, the me comes into play when you love God and love others more than yourself. Without the me, contextualized as I have just described it, there would be no gospel. To get to the heart of the matter, you will recognize that a, if you want to get to the heart of the matter, you will have to recognize that a misplaced pleasure creates misplaced treasure. And that is the formula that I would love you to think about through that throughout this podcast and as you meditate on it, because now I'm dealing with the heart. And so if you have a misplaced pleasure, it will create a misplaced treasure. The problem with me-centered thinking is that the focus is wrong on two counts. Number one, there is a pleasure disorder in the heart. That is a misplaced, uh, a misplaced pleasure in the heart, and there is a treasure disorder in the behaviors. Those two things go together. And so whatever the cravings, uh, uh, impure desires, I'm calling pleasure, whatever the pleasure disorder is in the heart, because of the continuity between heart and behaviors, there will be a treasure disorder in your behaviors. And so Biff has a pleasure disorder of the heart that leads to the wrong treasures that he's enjoying in his life. Let's take him for example. But first, as I continue to diagnose Biff, the first thing I want to do is I want you to look at his many qualities, because you remember at the top of this podcast, I said that it is exceptional for a lazy person to be lazy. And I want to make a strong case that our friend Biff here, he's not lazy. I'm going to give you four illustrations of it. Biff is a premeditative thinker. He spent time on the way home thinking about what he wanted to do when he arrived. And so Biff is a smart guy. He's even pre-med- he's a premeditative thinker. Number two, Biff is a multitasker. He could simultaneously say no to his children and wife while making his way to the refrigerator to nab a Miller Lite while planning his evening in the man cave. That's multitasking at a high level. He's not only a premeditative thinker and a multitasker, but Biff is a hard worker. He is willing to spend three hours after arriving home from a long day at work to update his fantasy football league while interacting with his friends on Facebook. So he not only is working at work, but when he comes home, he is premeditatively and he uses his multitasking skills to accomplish what he wants to do. And he is disciplined to do what he wants, which is his, the pleasure disorder that works out with the treasure disorder. And then number four, Biff is not a lazy man. He is quite proactive and premeditative. A bonus is that his gifted mind gives him the ability to multitask. The problem with Biff is that that he that what he sees as pleasurable is misguided. Miller Lite, Facebook, fantasy football, man cave, his friends. It's not that he's a lazy man. It's that his, his pleasure disorder has misguided his thinking to where the treasure disorder that he has in life, well, that's why he has that issue. He finds pleasure 
this is part of the pleasure disorder, in competing with his friends through fantasy football and interacting with others through social media. He finds pleasure in horse playing and bragging rights. Says his team wins. I'm not familiar with fantasy football. I mean, I've heard about it for more than a decade now, but I'm not sure exactly how that works. I kind of got an idea. He finds pleasure in loving himself more than his wife and children. I mean, it is clear that Biff has a pleasure disorder. The problem is not that Biff can't think about people. He does think about people, the wrong people. And he puts them in the wrong order. He prioritizes himself first, friends second, family third. And the Lord may or may not be on his list. Juxtapose Biff's thought life, what he ponders, with that of the Apostle Paul. At times, Paul was seemingly overwhelmed by the great affection he had for the Corinthian people. Now, you contextualize that. Though his love for other people was quite profound, and you know that, I think it is particularly instructive to understand his affection for arguably the people who hated him the most. In 2.4 of 2 Corinthians, he says, I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Wow. Is that how you think about the other people in your life? Do you have a pleasure disorder that displaces this kind of heart attitude for other people, especially those who are close to you? Do they see and experience the abundant life that you have for them? Paul was a beautiful imitation of the Savior as he suffered many afflictions because of his determined desire to see Christ formed in the Corinthians. And that's not an anomaly. He had a similar compelling when it came to the challenges of the churches of Galatia 4.19 says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Are you in the, quote, the anguish of childbirth until Christ forms himself in those you love? Thank God for his grace to all of us because I know I'm not there and I know many of you are not either. Paul had one objective, that Christ establishes himself in the people who receive Paul's care. He derived his greatest pleasure. That is not a pleasure disorder. His greatest pleasure was when helping others become like Jesus Christ. It was not about what he received, but about what he could give to others. And then we have a treasure disorder. But before I get to that, I do want to thank again Delena and Delena and also Sybil for recently supporting us. In 2019, the 11th year of this ministry will be 12 years old on July the 3rd of, of 2020, praise God. But last year, I poured tremendous time and thought and resources in keeping this labor of love going and keeping it free for you. It takes me hundreds of hours a month to research and to provide and thousands of dollars to sustain, to write this article and to do this podcast. It, it always takes between five to seven hours to get it from roughing it out to 
getting this podcast up and getting it loaded on our website. It's a lot of time. And my appeal to you is that if you find any joy and value in what I do, would you please consider to model and to imitate what Sybil and Delena has done, have done? You can donate or you can become a supporting member with a gift of your choosing. Believe me, your generosity does matter. And so in this podcast, I talked about a treasure, a pleasure disorder. I want to talk about a treasure disorder. I think you will agree that Biff is not a lazy man. Biff has a pleasure disorder. He finds pleasure in the things that are out of line with the gospel, not like Paul at all. Biff is not a dumb man either. He is quite smart. He knows how to plan, how to strategize, how to win. He can premeditate and multitask as well. The problem with Biff is not that he has a low IQ or that he is dull. Biff excels at what he puts his mind to do. He is not the guy, he's not the kind of guy you have to handhold. There are some people you assign a task and, and then you have to watch and coddle and motivate them to see the mission come to fruition. This is part of what we, uh, how I, I assess our students in our mastermind program in a, a myriad of ways, but this is one of them. Do they have the ability to figure things out and problem solve? You can't be a good counselor if you can't do this. And so this worldview of hand-holding and watching and coddling and motivating, that's not Piff. As the saying goes, he can get her done. The real issue with Biff is that his heart problem, pleasure disorder, leads to a behavioral problem, which is the treasure disorder. His eye is on the wrong prize. Some of you have intuited already that I'm speaking of Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Jesus said this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's the prize. That's the treasure where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, Bill's got a treasure disorder, there your heart will be also. He's got a pleasure disorder. People are not inconsistent or incongruent with themselves. Who we are on the inside and what we do on the outside are close in proximity. If you want to know who a person is at the level of their heart, spend time observing what they do. And here are two excellent starter questions that will help you as you serve your friends to help them specifically, particularly if any of them are in this kind of bondage. One of the things that you want to observe is what characterizes you. How are you characterized? And then number two, who are you? And so what is going on in your heart and what are some of the things that you do? These two questions are heart-related and you can only intuit your answers from spending time with them. You see, anyone can choose to sin or, or do good deeds even do good deeds with the wrong motives. And so you won't understand them accurately until you assess them over time through comprehensive observation. You can look at them, anybody, at a micro level, and, and you could see them doing good deeds, but that might not tell you. On a macro level is how you want to observe them. You see, Biff is probably a Christian. 
At times, he probably does good things, as all Christians do. But these good things are not how you would characterize him. Again, that's the micro. You saw him do a good thing. The macro is, that's not how you characterize him. Because there is a difference between episodic good behavior, micro, and a pattern of good behavior, macro, a historical review of a person's life. When Biff is not on stage or expected to be a certain way, he defaults to his real self, not that representative of himself. The real Biff is when he is 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 when he's in his home. If you want to know a person, observe them when no one is around. At work, Biff is a stellar employee moving up the ladder, which could be good and impure motives. I'm not saying all that is bad. At church, Biff is a friend to many people because he has a carefully edited Christian representative of himself that he is always tweaking according to the need or most current interaction. But at home, where the temptation to be on guard or self-edited is not necessary, at home, the real Biff shows up. The home is the place where Biff is known for who he is. The home is the place where no one is around to out him. And as I implied earlier, he has doubled down on his assurance of nobody finding out by his weird teaching on submission. The real issue is rarely about working versus being lazy. Biff's not a lazy man. He's a worker. Wrong pleasure, wrong treasure. It's typically about how you want to spend your time or how you want to work. Do you want to work at satisfying your desires? Do you want to work at satisfying the desires of the Father? As Jesus would say, I I didn't come here to do my will, but I came to do the Lord's will, my Father's will. Do you want to work at doing things for yourself or do you want to work at doing things for others? I've lived long enough to know there is no time for rest in this life. There is a rest for the people of God, but that ultimate rest will come in heaven, not on earth. Some folks have an over-realized eschatology, which means they want heaven on earth now, and so they create a self-centered lifestyle that gratifies their most prominent cravings. A quick snapshot of how some of our brothers and sisters worked in the Old Testament, it will give you a vision, hopefully an incentive for what your life could be for the others you influence. Dip into Hebrews 11. Start with 37, just two verses. They were stoned. They were sown in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and and caves of the earth. That's biblical success right there. That's one version of it. Now, God may not be calling you to a stoning, but that is happening in other countries, and I'm you more, more than likely have, have seen videos or heard about it, stoning or maybe beheadings and, and other ways of killing Christians. And maybe the Lord is not calling you to for someone to saw you in half, at least not yet, but he is calling you to another world, 
And so the question for today is, which world is worthy of your time and your talents? Biff could repent to his wife and children if he wanted to do that. But first, he, need, he will need to re-examine why he is living on planet Earth. And while there is nothing necessarily wrong with fantasy football or, or Facebook, those things should never interfere with the privilege we have of instilling the gospel in others. Biff has an incredible opportunity in his home and with his wife and with his children. He can do eternal work in their lives. The investment he can make in them is absolutely, without question, priceless. But he will have to believe this. He will have to believe what I'm saying here. His heart will have to change. He will need a transformation of his pleasures. His pleasure disorder needs a change before he can make that kind of investment in his wife and family and others. And so the more significant question is whether he will put himself under the scrutiny of God to have a heart change. If he does, the things that he treasures will take a dramatic shift. The title of this podcast is Lazy People Aren't Lazy Primarily, But Have a Pleasure Disorder. I would love for you to read the podcast. And also, I have several call-to-action questions from uh, for you, and I would love for you to delve into them with a friend. And you all talk about this, and may the Lord help you with whatever vestiges and strands of, of self-centeredness is in your life as it is in my life too. Uh, may the Lord work in your heart and bring these things to the light and empower you with his favoring, uh, empowering grace so you can change. Thank you for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net. RickThomas.net